but on the uh, on the low side of going to two for eight, like um, mm-hmm. sometimes eights have really poor, not always sometimes, but just have poor boundaries. <laughs> and, just say it, John. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like there there can just be this, um, you know, they there's healthy and unhealthy sides of this, but like claiming other people, you know, as like your your people or your territory mm-hmm. or whatever, and. <laughs> The unhealthier the eight is, the more you can start feeling more like a pawn rather than a loved one. But... Yeah. The big hormone enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres over the five wing four five eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pressed sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven sexual self-pressed with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self-pressed social three wing four with a three six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. So we're doing lines of connection today, or do we want to do something else? I think lines of connection is important because, you know, last episode brought up a lot of that stuff, but also, you know, it's not really appreciated, the inner lines. And Mm -hmm. the Enneagram is basically a circle with lines in it. And, you know, the lines are like the practical ways of growing with the Enneagram. Like if you're helping somebody with the Enneagram, the first thing is to help them with the lines, I think. The centers and the lines. Yeah, exactly. Well, why is that the growth path? Because what you're doing is, for one, you're getting outside of the types, uh, like just habitual circuit, and Mm -hmm. you're able to access qualities that are sort of antidotes to all the little autonomy shit or image shit or mental shit that you're going through. And, you know, you're, you're basically reclaiming things that you've disowned in order to fulfill the project of your type like eight going to two i mean eight going to heart right right uh welcome back to big hormone enneagram the enneagram podcast that knows that covid19 is just a hoax and you should never wear a mask um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so last time uh we talked about stems and fixes and got into the question of some of the differences between having a particular fix and uh, what is the, you know, what's going on in the integra- the lines between the types. And so today we wanted to focus on those lines and get more into them. The Enneagram is a circle made of a bunch of lines that connect the types and the connections between the types is really where a lot of the life of the Enneagram comes from. And, uh, you know, I think that especially if you all listened to some of our interviews with the, with the types, especially when we got people of different wings, uh, I was just struck so much about the congruence between types that are adjacent to each other. You know, so uh, I was so struck by the similarity that I as a four or five had with the five with a four and fascinated by the four threes with the threes and in contrasting and comparing those kind of qualities of energies. and so. There's a similar dynamic uh, within the types. When I uh, am like coaching somebody with the Enneagram, not always, but generally, I try to 
give them uh, a way to connect to the two types that the, their types connect to. So, you know, if you're a nine, that would be three and six. And if you're on the hexad, those one, four, two, eight, five, seven, one, or the reverse patterns. So there's the triangle that are all connected with inner lines, and then there's the hexad that are all connected with inner lines. And you yeah. said something earlier about how, why this is important. Yeah, so the inner lines, there's a lot of subtlety in terms of how the inner lines impact the type, right? So it's sometimes hard to point to because it's not like a big shift in behavior, but it's a shift in a, a subtle orientation that provides something that your main type either resists or lacks. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of ways that um, being conscious and owning the line, the, the two types that you're connected to, it doesn't turn you into those types. It doesn't make you look like those types, but it brings in certain qualities that are kind of like, it's like your, your type is, um, you know, your type is limited. It's very uh, a pattern, right? And it's very, it's, it's stuck. And part of our work in the Enneagram is not necessarily to even fix our stuckness. It's first to see our stuckness. And so being able to uh, connect to the two points of along the lines that your type is connected to, it gives you new perspective and it gives you new qualities that help you grow. And so I think that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of first places you can go to when you're helping somebody or yourself with their type. Blind spot is one of them and the inner lines are the other. So um, I don't know how you guys want to do it if you want to go around the Enneagram or what. We could probably use one of us that has a common type, like we could use David and do nine to sort of yeah. uh, demonstrate it. But yeah, I like the I, the thought of, because this is a question that, you know, we, we do a lot of accurate typing and what do you do once you know what your type is? I don't think anyone has really answered that question well enough. Like what are some practical things? And I think this would be a good episode to look at ways to sort of break yourself out of the pattern that we're all stuck in. Right. And I, David or Nancy or Amica, do you disagree with anything I said or have anything to add? No, I'm, I mean, no. no. Yeah. I mean, Charm. I disagree with all of it. Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> it's all terrible. But I don't listen to you anyway. So. <laughs> just a terms thing. You say the inner lines, you just mean inside the circle? Yeah, the lines that, you know, one, yeah. four, two, eight, five, seven, three, six, nine. Yeah. Just if there is a reason that you're using the word inner rather than just lines. But I got just, you. A, just the inside. It's like, I, I do think that there's something about the insideness of it. You know, like when you're talking about the Enneagram as a process description or as a personality <laughs> system, there is something about those lines that is, that is inward of whatever wholeness is being mapped by the diagram itself. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like a lot of times when we talk about type, it can kind of be these strong contrasts and like here's here's what a five's like here's what a six like but then there's this these shifts that happen uh with the inner lines and like um you know uh, we mentioned it last time but don riso and then you know with additions and why russ hudson came up with the levels of development which talk about degrees of presence and as you're going up or down a level what's going to happen what you're going to draw from is something connected to those inner lines right so whether you're going from level five to level four on the, there's nine levels, levels of de development. But if you go from five to four, you're going to be calling on qualities that are connected to the uh, points that your type is connected to. So if you're four, like myself, you're going to draw from two and one. And there's certain things in that that are like kind of antidotes to your type's bullshit pattern. On the converse side, 
there's also ways that your like psyche tries to not go down a level, tries to kind of forestall crashing and draws in a negative sense from those lines as well on both of them. And so you call it, you call uh, one side a path of integration and the other side the stress point. But in a sense, both lines are energies or qualities of types you're drawing from when you're dealing with stress in a conscious, healthy way or in an unconscious distress kind of way. Is this just kind of a common knowledge within the Riso Hudson school? Or is this, do other teachers draw upon this? Most of them do. Okay, so people kind of know that the lines of connection are the antidote to, to the stuckness of the core type. Yeah, but they usually teach it, in my experience, that one is the integration and one is the disintegration. disintegration. Oh, okay. So instead of being like you could pull positives from both or negatives from both. Interesting. Because when they do those like recommendations, growth recommendations for certain types, like those emails that people sign up for, are those drawing on this or are they just basically telling people don't don't do your type? Like the Enneagram daily thoughts or whatever? Yeah, it it reads a lot to me that they're just telling you, hey, stop being an eight. Don't do (laughs) more eight stuff. Stop being angry. That kind of bullshit. Yeah. I I haven't read enough. Uh, I, ha- I had those coming to my phone for a while and it was more of just like, think of how you are doing this today or think of how you're doing this today or, you know, yeah. just kind think of about, think, think about, about how it. you're being a three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's, here's how you're being a three today, more than likely. So uh, realize it. <laughs> okay. I mean, a lot of what nines are doing, for example, even with all the typing as fours and fives, especially is a kind of bad version let's say of going to three and being seen yep because Mm -hmm. the because four and five are sort of hyper specific iterations of their centers Mm -hmm. uh and and condensed in a certain way and and i think people intuitively feel that and that's part of what why that happens as a sort of collective phenomenon so nines are wanting to articulate themselves which is an aspect of going to three for a nine. Uh, Not just four and five, but just about any of the other sure. types that seem to have more of a personality, like people, nines, you know, choosing two or eight. Sure. Just anything that has more specificity is like a lot. Please see me. Like I'm actually something more than. And and that's one thing you just mentioned, some of the other hexad tri- types. And the hexad types are the more specialized, condensed styles as compared to the three six nine right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the nines are often picking hexad types yeah i think uh so you're you're raising two points one is interesting is the difference between the hexad and the triangle and Mm -hmm. um the other one that is is you're basically saying sounds to me that the qualities you don't own of your connection points start to express themselves as shadows Mm -hmm. and so they are a fundamental part of the type but it's like the, in an example of nine where it's like, if the nine doesn't own and claim that they want attention and, and claim their own value in an active way, then there is a sort of a passive way that they try to seek attention in a, in a way or validation in a way that is still not threatening to the nine's perspective of being little old me. And it goes like that with all the types, I think. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So like the sixth version... Uh, or the nine going to six version, what would that look like? You mean for growth? For for both. Like, so like on one hand, the stress of, of six is like, 
kind of easygoing, chill vibes. Nine is suddenly like, oh shit, like I don't know where, where the threat is coming from that I didn't pay attention to, and now it's build and build. Yeah, so like nine going to six in a healthy way is clarity, right? Awareness, awakeness, and being willing to fight and defend, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like like both, I think, so three, going to three for a nine in a healthy way is like waking up to their own value and their own personhood and making a choice about who they want to be. You know, that kind of sort of, you could say, pliability of the nine's temperament starts to individuate in an intentional way. You know, from that place of, of value and individuation comes that clarity of what my purpose is and that I have a role to play and I'm not just coasting. One way to say it relative to nine, and this is abstract, but if you're thinking of three, six, and nine, you've got three is a single unit of three, obviously. Six is two threes, and nine is three threes. And so nine going to three is nine singularizing, right? Yeah. So, so all of that scattered self-dispersion of being three threes, now you're becoming focused and uh, you know sharper. And specific. Specific. Um, you know, maybe we should go right, follow the lines and just go to like three. Yeah, yeah. Because, Let's do the triangle and then we yeah. could do like a couple of the hex out. We could do four and maybe five or whatever, or eight. Because something that's striking, I mean, what was striking, I think, to all of us on the three call was how, was how many themes were similar between nine and three on a deep level. Mm-hmm. And my experience at threes is like when they're not healthy and they are stressing to nine, they don't know who they are, and they're kind of waiting to be filled by either, you know, like, like something external or, you know, maybe they're just like on a grift or something. But it's like it doesn't feel like they're being themselves. You know, it feels like they're fulfill- trying to find a mold to fit into. But then um, when they're healthy, there's this sense of like it's still being kind of empty and available in a way, but it's like as like a it feels like a conduit of something. You know, it feels like a higher thing working through them. like. Like when people talk about being a great athlete or a great artist or something, it's like being a vessel for something. And I think, Nancy, you spoke to some of this once on one of our calls that I thought was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Did it resonate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I think a three is healthy, we do kind of tend to understand or begin to understand that we are meant for something important. And we're a vessel for something else. I think it's that line, that uh, line to six, drawing from the six in health is what happens. Becomes like like three going to six becomes like a sense of service, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I I am offering up myself for whatever this greater good is. Because like uh, you know the thing that we I remember us speaking about this either on the three call or. Or, or off of it or something was how the three personality doesn't begin as a narcissistic project. It begins as like, I'm going to inspire. And it sort of becomes, I'm going to inspire you. Like it becomes kind of like a, or it starts mm-hmm. as, as almost like a self, selfless quest and gets mucked up through the personality. But I think both nine and six have this sense of claim, reclaiming what you just spoke to, Nancy. Yeah. So what do you mean by reclaiming? I don't quite understand what you're saying there. Well, you know, like nine has this sense of being connected to the all and to the whole and being a being one oh, of yeah. 
the whole and not like in a sense there's the high side of i'm nobody special right like mm-hmm. like the 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 humbleness and the i'm just a star in the sky or whatever but then uh and and then six has this like i think even more overt sense of service and i need to serve a purpose and things happening and then the three builds all these skills and and builds a healthy functioning personality and then is able to offer all those skills to be some kind of conduit for some some other kind of essential force mm-hmm. yeah one of the sayings that like you know floats around that i think resonates with like three being in health drawing from that nine and that six is something along the lines of it's our job to uh be the best self we can be so that we can offer it to the rest of the world mm-hmm. so what does three going to six and nine in an unhealthy way look like one thing that I've seen with threes a lot is drug problems the, is how the nine thing can show up is like countering all the stress of needing to be hyper functional and doing all the time and thinking of yourself as a just equating yourself with what you do. Right. So in some sense, it's an unhealthy thing of uh, taking some kind of, you know, downer type of uh, drug or something that has them go back into being, mm. being the beingness mm-hmm. of nine, right? So I'm just going to be here, <laughs> right? Fin- <laughs> finally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I feel like it can be kind of an unhealthy, like uh, all or nothing kind of thing. There's an all or nothing uh, quality about three where, like, mm. um, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do it at all. So, <laughs> so you I'm know, going if to I'm be all with this pizza and <laughs> or, or since I can't do this as uh, perfectly right off the bat, you know, because I naturally should be able to be perfect right off the bat at something, then I am not going to try and I'm just going to sit on the couch for three days and not bathe. Wow. <laughs> I one feel way, that. One way to talk about the types, I think it would apply to the hexads as well, but like just doing the, the triangle is that they're in an abstract way, their responses to that uh, disintegration direction. In other words, like nine, you can see is nine is sort of over resolving the problem of six, which is the self-dividedness. And then besides the self-dividedness, the needing to jump into one side really hard and overdo one side of an argument, (laughs) right? And so nine is overdoing unity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, uh, let's see, six is overdoing a correction to threeness, which is, you know, self-interest, if you want, uh, you know, I don't know what the right, all the terms would be necessarily for three, you know, self-interest, um, uh, singular, you know, individual excellence gain. gain. Yeah, right. And so six is kind of overdoing the team player, among other things, right? And let's see, three is overdoing the self-dispersion and uh, energetic, you know, wateriness of nine, right? It's it's overcorrecting <laughs> for that. I'm struck by, like, you know, getting into the, like, so first thing that I'm struck by with this is, and why I think it's hard for people to talk about, like, it's kind of like always a side side note in a book or something. It's like not the main thing because, it doesn't radically change 
the type how the type looks or acts they're still doing their personality but like it's it's much more of an inner shift and an inner perspective that changes and then i'm also struck by this triangle you know the inner triangle types of how there's this openness i think of the word channeling like david i know that you use channeling a lot Mm -hmm. as a term and i have a um kind of a, a mentor figure who um, runs a Jungian, like Carl Jung men's group, who's a three and an actor, an amazing actor. And he's a Jungian analyst. And he talks all the time about channeling. And, and when he's running these groups and we work on somebody's issues, like literally all the dudes in the room start to channel whatever is unconscious in the person who we have like to hold this, this big, you know, like driftwood stick thing. And that, that's like, who's under the microscope and if they're not conscious of something it kind of like you know the way he puts it is it goes in through the floorboards and gets into somebody else and so there's this there's this just clarity and channeling and you know it comes like with nine you get the empathy and with six you get that intuition and with three you get that capacity to just like make things happen it's this like weird i don't know it seems like they have the special line to that capacity does that make sense yeah absolutely Something I've noticed with everyone who's a Bermuda of just somehow picking up things from the airwaves, just um, especially when it has, to, yeah, from just being able to absorb other people mm-hmm. in various ways. And it's when we when I first started looking at the Enneagram with OD and and typing all, he gave me a list of comedians to type. And one thing, one of the things I noticed was a lot of TV hosts or people who would end up in these sort of hosts jobs like any sort of position where you're conducting or channeling people's vibes and things like that a lot of you know the 639 or 693 or that trifix was popping up a lot just i kept seeing either uh any of those three types um people who had talent for just being able to be in a crowd and have a bunch of people connect with them i just felt like uh those three types are just channelers in their respective centers so i mean it's kind of a roundabout way maybe somebody can translate a, a john thing but uh <laughs> you know in a, in a in a conversation we were having we we're talking about QAnon, the like cult conspiracy theory that trump is like a genius uh selfless pedophile hunter not not a pedophile himself and uh <laughs> I, I don't know anything about QAnon. maybe you might have to fill fill the oh yeah i just I, learned about it recently i don't even know what the fuck that is <laughs> Yeah, so y'all y'all clearly don't have a five wing like I do. Um, I've been following this for a couple years. I was into it before it was cool, man. Yeah, before it was cool, everybody. Before it existed, you knew about it. Yeah, what's the new hot thing on the block? QAnon. Um, so it's this like uh, it's it's really fascinating, uh, and I don't know how to say it succinctly, but basically, somebody started posting on message boards under the name QAnon. Q anonymous uh or their name's Q or something these these nonsensical like they sound like drug fueled free associations and being like Hillary Clinton about to be arrested look to the north look to the south like kind of a little bit quasi military and people took to these stupid things mm. and started to uh think that they were like real transmissions from the like Trump taking on the deep state and, the, the, and they thought that they thought that this guy was like in in like his inner circle or something, right? Or Trump himself, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. 
and that he's really this hero and fighting pedophiles. And it's like the Pizzagate thing is involved. And if you saw the Wayfair thing where they had these cabinets that were named after kids and you're like, are this, are this ways that Wayfair is transporting uh, children? <laughs> and they get into like injecting bleach and like all this kind of, I mean, and it's like a grab bag where like, uh, I think like John F. Kennedy Jr. or something is alive and working for Trump and, you know, and he's, it's, I mean, it's, it's totally insane. Yeah. But one of the things that struck me in the conversation was it's not just QAnon, but like all kinds of these sort of conspiracy things. It's like a lot of times they come out of people who are otherwise very practical people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they like typically like work a very practical job and they're like, you know, kind of live somewhat rural, simple lives. And to me, it struck me as like a compens- a shadow compensation for all the mm. fantasy that they're not like engaged with on a conscious level. There have been a couple uh, military police officers with the patch on them, right? Yeah, it's like a whole conspiracy that like there there was somebody in Georgia just elected who's a QAnon fanatic. It is a cult and it is like a real powerful political force now. And I think that uh, Roger Stone or some other Trump admin has started to pick up on it and use little things now they're like Trump will drop a little phrases into certain speeches and stuff mm-hmm. that will get the Q people crazy mm-hmm. and you'll see them at the rallies being like he was real and stuff but anyway it's like it's one example of a, a phenomenon in America especially but probably all over the world where people like who are very practical suddenly develop these weird collective delusions that like take on a life of their own. And it's almost like, to me, it seems like the dark side of this kind of, kind of channeling thing that we're talking about where. I was just going to say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's, it, to me, that's, I mean, I don't know if you want to keep this in this podcast, but to me, it's <laughs> most, but to me, that's mostly sixes and that's a shadow way that they're doing three, right? It's. Oh, five. I thought you were going to say nine. No, it's sixes that, because it's got so much, Ah, to it right it's yeah. like super you know reactive as fuck and it's and it's our team and those people over there are the bad people right and they're all trying to do this to all of us and all that kind of shit but it's I'm digging your six voice man that's a good yeah <laughs> Alex Jones. and uh uh yeah there you go that and, should be your bedroom it, voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll, i'm definitely that'll, keeping that'll this in the pod sure. yeah there you go. <laughs> and then, but it's but it's three in the sense that i and one of the few people mm. that got this special information. And so it's a, it's a kind of narcissism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's a big part of it, actually. Yeah. 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 It's like, I I know this and you guys don't. And and it is yeah. weird having that Bermuda Triangle because you do, you do feel like you get messages from random yeah. shit. Like you do, if, if you're, yeah, if I'm you like... Know- we need to know, know what your random messages. I haven't been like, you know, meditating quite to the extent where I feel like I'm channeling as much. But like when I meditate on a regular basis, I have to kind of weed through what comes in because I'm like, mm. Mm, mm, OK, like what's really happening here? Are we just getting into the type? Are we just having anxiety? Like what's really happening? Because when you channel <clears throat> so much, you can kind of create stories. Well. One of the things about the Q phenomenon, it's hard to decide what's Q and what's not, but right. it's the, the sort of throughout America, whether it's the satanic panic or, you know, Salem witch trials <laughs> or whatever, there's been this phenomenon. And, yeah. um, and you know, what I think, though, and, and knowing a lot of this weird, stupid shit that I know uh, about the CIA <laughs> and stuff, 
it's like these people are picking up on some things that do have some like some fragments of reality like they are right that there are a lot of very high profile very powerful pedophiles but their guy is a pedophile <laughs> you know it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah they don't care or you know they, they they don't care about yeah there's like a lot of pedophiles that they claim like the, the latest meme that's q stemmed from is like is again, it's an anti-COVID meme. That's like, why are people worried about masks when children are being abducted? Oh my god, I hate and it, those. It's like, first of all, you can worry about two things at the same time. But second of all, <laughs> um, yeah, most of you clowns are following a guy who, like, Locks very children openly, in cages. Yeah, well, yeah, putting children in cages where ICE is, you know, assaulting them, and then, but also was like on the on the uh, Lolita the Express rings. with yeah. Ep- oh, yeah. So- <laughs> And Epstein was like, is was totally involved and intelligent, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not wrong about some fragments of things, but it's almost like their their psyche is so imbalanced in this weird practical versus like imaginative space that they can't make sense of it. So six so- going to unhealthy three is basically explaining Alex Jones's entire career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Or flat earthers, or I, no mooners. I, yeah, I think most of the super hardcore Trump people are sixes. Interesting. Yeah. What is six? What about six going to nine in an unhealthy way? Uh, I don't know. More drugs again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when six goes gen- to nine, unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I see a lot of alcoholism. Tons. Oh yeah, you're tons. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like real, like or or doing some other thing to numb anxiety, but it's like. Yeah. Yep. And that kind of like that, like the, the archetype of like a certain kind of six that uh, is like friends with everybody and is like kind of everybody's buddy, but like they don't, they don't feel like they can independently move forward in life. So they just kind of stay stuck. And then like, you're like, what happened to that guy from high school? And then like, mm. still in the same place, you know? Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Stuck in a rut. Yeah. Self-dissipated. Non- yes. Yeah. So what about uh, healthy six to nine? Uh-huh. I know I've thought about it before. <laughs> Conjure. Can it be like more acceptance? I think that they that it's, <laughs> that clarity comes from a connection to their real being, and I think that you know it becomes a kind of a wisdom and a, and a yeah. an intuition about um, like a healthy six like knows what's going to happen in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Like, I mean, my best friend, O.D., was on here. And, <laughs> you know, his capacity to tune into the collective and, like, kind of just come up with, like, just literally that term reading. You know, he's, like, yeah. reading the stars. And mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty spectacular. One way to say it, too, to me, six to nine is, uh, like, I, I think of head energy as granular. And with mm-hmm. nine, you're going to fluidity. Right. Mm, so, yeah. in, so instead of all these little packets of information all over the place, little squares on a grid, right? Mm. And you're trying to figure out how to what to do with all these packets. Going to nine, you come into the fluidity of the intuitive aspect of the gut that has, mm. that has you know more mobility that's more like water, right? It's more like a river mm. that knows where it's going. Yeah, you made a really good point um, that sixes, when they hook up to a system like astrology, like OD's doing, 
there they, you go. that that because they can trust in the system they can hook up to the fluidity of that intuition of being able to see what's happening and see what's going to happen and, next and astrology is cycles right and which is the big universal philosopher of the universe right yeah you're in that space kind of interesting seer seer of the universe what about six to three uh, when they're healthy is that the same is that similar like you know that they're being recognized for spotting or having the clarity about about what's happening or what's going to happen for one thing it's making you know sixes are kind of narcissist police right they're looking oh, yeah. for looking around for who are the people <laughs> that guy's too big for his britches over there yeah <laughs> that kind of thing right? we need to knock him down a peg yeah that it's exact that's <laughs> southern it. all the sixes are southern <laughs> i was going for midwest but okay <laughs> yeah so going to three would be you know acknowledging your desire to be seen or whatever and to be seen as special even like heaven forbid pick mm. up the crown you know and be the yeah. king queen that you like be like no i can't do that or right you know i can't move independently without checking in on whoever to make sure it's cool or yep you know it's like i can move from my own volition and and know who i am and and be valued for what i'm good at and also like not give a shit if i or somebody else is praised for something else you know like I see some sixes that are very generous in giving praise and, and, you know, compliments and things like that. And then others kind of bristle when they see somebody else getting compliments, not out of envy, but of sort of like, well, that's going to go to his head or her head or, you know. Oh, yeah. So they just get over that shit. (laughs) Right. They just, at at three, they like realize that everybody has value and it's not like a fucking, it's not going to just, you know, it's not going to go awry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or like a zero-sum game where if someone over there has value, then it's bad for everyone else. I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down a peg thing. You know, like that's like a real that creates a chip on the shoulders of a lot of sixes. Yeah, you know that's something that I notice a lot with American culture or just yeah watching celebrity and uh, sports culture where people or just even politics. Now I think you linked something about. Um, this that political uh podcaster guy who was talking about how a lot of the political campaigns on the left are more about personal um triumphs instead of what they can actually do and one thing i see a lot with the american story is people really get hooked up into people coming from the bottom and rising above their situation but then once someone actually gets there and they're above there's this collective compulsion to tear them down. And I've mm-hmm. seen it happen over and over and over again. It's like, if you can come up from the bottom, people believe in you, they want to bring, they want to, they want to throw you up there. Uh, but once you actually get to the top and you have confidence and there's like this knee jerk reaction to, we got to find something that's wrong with this person. And, and once that celebrity or esteemed person does have a flaw people start loving them again and i feel like that's got to be some kind of collective six thing of yeah. no to me that, that to, high me, up. to me that there's a thing with the with the symbol itself that lined three and six um that the talked about this in another pod uh because it's a horizontal line part of what that means symbolically is that there's a certain kind of easy communication, let's say, between those two numbers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And and so you're describing exactly that. 
someone becomes successful uh, and then they have to be, you know, and that's three, and then they have to be torn down and that's six, right? And there's this ping pong that happens with that. Yeah. In in the um, narrative tradition, we were taught that each of the integration or disintegration lines on their own kind of hold a certain energy. Um, I'd have to pull out my notes to see like specifically what, you know, what each line held. But I do remember us talking about the three to six line kind of being part of American society as mm -hmm. a whole. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, I'd be interested to, to look at what each line as like an entity, uh, like an energy polarity holds. Well, but I can see mm -hmm. collectively what the three, because it's very clear with American culture. It's really about three, six here. So, so yeah. take, taking another angle on what you just brought up, polarity, energies, and so on, another David abstraction here, looking at others at the hexad types, for example, I mean, you can do it with the triangle, but think of like five, if you're looking at five and the connecting lines are to seven and eight, right? Mm -hmm. So seven and eight is, I call it big me energy, right? Both seven and eight, big me, right? Yeah. And so five is a reaction to being in between seven and eight, let's say, right? The, those are the mm -hmm. connecting lines. So five is a condensing a super super hardcore condensing because you've got two big knees exerting themselves you know like two big planets smushing the five into a condensed space and then look at four you've got uh the rigidity moral rigidity of one and you've got the um people orientation of two and and the moral moralism of one or the high standards of one, you know, it's a kind of um, it's a kind of service, right? It's a kind of outward um, connecting into something higher, right? And then two is connecting to other people. So and four is in between those two. And so then when you get with four, you get a super self-absorbed type, right? That's a correction to the hmm. to the energies and and i call those birth stories as if as if one and two you know after the big bang were planets right and they were started to move close together and then what happened is in between those two planets because of the magnetic forces of them coming close together you four popped in for example to, as a sort of correction energy in between Third those force. Two. Yeah, a third force. Huh. So you could say that. I've got three, those six. for all of them. So with three, six, and nine, nine is what arises when when three and six collide. It's it's uh it's a, or which one is it? Harder. It's harder to for me to pull those up, the, um, because that's a different kind of thing happening there. Almost. Well, it but, almost feels like those three kind of exist in tandem already. Those mm -hmm. are almost yeah, like yeah, the yeah. elements that everything is made of. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they protons, were neutrons, already there. Yeah, yeah, they were already there. They were God, uh, triangle types just trying to take more credit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the basis for all knowledge of the world. Got to knock them up a peg. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Salt of the earth, people are here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bringing them up a peg is what we call pegging in the enneagram. 
um, so now that we pegged the triangle, <laughs> do four and eight. You you want to start? With, let's start with eight, and then we just work our way around. If, okay. Unless David, you had something else. No, I thought you meant do my uh, crazy abstract treatment on four. And that one. too. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So look at eight. Um, eight <laughs> is between two and five. You know, five is a smallness, an incapable smallness, right? And then two is, um, you know, an expansiveness around heart energy and um, and people and giving yourself and service or feeling some duty towards that. So between those two arises the sort of rugged individualism of eight, you know, where you're you're correcting for the smallness of the five and the sort of um what would you call it service uh, and givingness of two service and givingness of two and and being sort of a uh a lone wolf animal right yeah in a sense coming into the animal self right because two is kind of peoply and five is like small insect alien so eight sort of being a beast or something yeah I don't know if that works exactly. That works. But no, there's that, a, that there's a way work. to iterate it out better than that. I've got them all written out. It's, I call it birth stories. Do you have that on your website? I uh, don't have it on the website, but I'll I'll find it, the the document. Put, yeah. Put it in a book. Yeah, I've 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 got that uh, <laughs> on one of my chapters. I do. Good. Easier said than done. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Put it all in a book. That, no, I just write think, it down. I'm, I'm going to keep it short. No, I'll keep I'll, <laughs> some of those kinds of things. To me, are like opposite of john style mine's going to be like magazine style you know what i mean like i'm just going to yeah. be like a, cu- <laughs> a couple of pages right what do you think but uh, you know hey <laughs> do <I> say? <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna oh, mine's gonna be highly you know graphic Digital. you know because yeah because you're gonna see you know the two energies it, uh, actually on my site actually i did do that on like type five and type uh one like one's a really good example because um well not that we need to whatever do that one but like you know seven is the is like dispersed head energy right like all over the place up in the air and then four is uh you know sort of downward uh heart energy and one is and both four and seven are kind of self-indulgent in in a certain way uh narcissistic in a certain way and then so the correction to that is one right is the perfect straightness of one right like four's got a certain fluidity to it and a certain uh unpredictable um self-indulgently you know mood orientated and all that shit right and seven's got its own thing anyway so one is like this rigid singular line right that's the correction that pops up so yeah let's let's keep going a little bit more like texture yeah. out of the eight and then david keep adding in your birth stories because it's really good cool so um one of the things about eight being a rejection type is essentially what they reject is the nurturing function and i think in our next episode uh potentially if all planning goes well we'll talk more about the object relations but you know the uh the movement to two for an eight is you know having a heart and being touched and affected and a lot of the eights pushing and needing to stir shit up and expand 
comes from a place, an actual longing, kind of a two-ish longing to want a certain kind of contact. And their own shutting down themselves from the eight point of view prevents that kind of contact. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like looking for love in all the wrong places. And then when they reach the two, it's, there's like, I'm, oh, I'm touched by something and I'm affected and I care about something. Touch is a good word too. Touch, yeah. And it's con- contact and touch. It's very contact, very, yeah. very touchy too. And when an eight loves you, it's very touch based. And then right. you want to tell us all about and your so, soft spot. <laughs> uh, and and so, but the, but 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 part of the thing there too, again, is combat, right? Hand to hand combat. If we want to mm-hmm. do that, is it, you know that's the, this is how I'm interpreting an aspect of what John's saying is that's a desire for contact. John had made some comments about I forget where about the sort of not just combat sports, but just sports in general is sort of like this shadow homoerotic thing of just men needing contact with other mm-hmm. men but you know sort of getting it through sports yep football yeah. players slapping each other on the ass and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's yeah it's like uh you know I, like i mean this is not at all any kind of origins of homosexuality at all but just to say that like there's not a lot of uh i mean i guess it's cliche at this point but there's there's not a lot of male to male affection in our culture and so, you know, it does have to get, it gets kind of like sublimated through these homoerotic gestures that we're all like, I mean, like just, I mean, to me, football, American football is just like super gay, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's just trying to, just trying to put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. There's so much <laughs> gay energy, which is fine, you know, but it's like, it's really like the tight shorts and the exaggerated shoulders and then the jumping on each other and, uh, I mean the dog whole piles. dog piles and locker rooms. And, um, it's yeah. really the only reason to watch sports, honestly. Yeah, I get. Yeah, and so yeah, but it's this this sense of this contact, and so uh, within our within our culture and our world, there's not a lot of places for it, and so in an eight, that two space is is wanting to be met, you know, and there's sort of a kind of a romantic or you know. Uh, romantic or like just tender kind of longing there tender longing <laughs> does that, <laughs> Try does that, that on. resonate it's <laughs> a great phrase right there tenderlonging.com <laughs> photos of dudes just sparring in sports and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah and anything you want to add about uh two and uh eight eight to two um the t- uh, like I guess yeah it's just it's the allowing yourself to be I guess it surprises me sometimes I'm caught off guard by that question I think um a certain tiny savage would ask me every now and then like what what touches your heart Emika like do you have feelings for anything and I have to sit there and think about it um but it, but it does happen um where it feels like any sort of displays of pure innocence um especially with like mm-hmm. unprotected animals or uh, i especially get caught up with little like disabled kids that mm-hmm. um experience some kind of moment of joy or something like that um i can't help myself man like those are like one of the few things like any sort of pure expression of love or vulnerability um really activates that sort of 
um, the only times I've seen or I shed a tear or I've seen my sister and my eight sister cries is whenever you get those situations where someone's unprotected or um, it, it just really activates that need to, I need to, or I, that, that sort of line to, to uh, letting your heart be touched by, by something. So a lot of times people can't reconcile those two things where you have this eight personality, which is pretty forceful and can really impose themselves on people in, in uh, not pleasant ways, but at the same time can really be touched by, I have a real soft spot for um, shit like that. Ladies, Emika's <laughs> DMs are open. Yeah. <laughs> don't, be, don't be surprised if I'm, well, I might slap you in the face first before I'm nice to you, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that um, part of part of eight is could be I mean could partly define eight as <clears throat> sort of an over uh shielding uh of a small innocent child inside. Yeah, I didn't want to say that publicly, but you had to go out <laughs> and just spill the beans. So thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just telling all the ladies that they just gotta weather the storm <laughs> and get through the shield and they'll get to that soft spot. That's Didn't it. want anybody to know that, but thanks, Dave. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> but on the uh, on the low side of going to two for eight, like um, mm-hmm. sometimes eights have really poor, not always sometimes, but just have poor boundaries. <laughs> and, just say it, Jot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like there there can just be this, um, you know, they there's healthy and unhealthy sides of this, but like claiming other people, you know, as like. Mm-hmm your your people or your territory mm-hmm. or whatever and the unhealthier the eight is the more you can start feeling more like a pawn rather than a loved one but <laughs> yeah. from the eight's point of view they think they're being loving and protecting and that's how they show love but it's this this thing of you know and then another thing i've seen is the eightness uh you know emika one time you put eightness in terms of like having a certain kind of leverage i think oh yeah yeah and it's almost that like a, a it's like a sixth sense for for leverage and it's 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 interesting how i don't even think eights know what they're up to when it comes to how they put themselves in positions to have leverage and it's something that i have sensed that i need to know who the eights are because i know if you just put this personality in the waters so to speak they will find a way unconsciously to grab leverage and and if it's someone that you know you're not uh who's isn't stable or um, might use that leverage to to hurt somebody. Like that's something to keep an eye on. You know, I thought that's low low side of two. Yeah, right. And I thought yeah. that was such a great succinct way of. I think control is not really a good term because there's yes. so many ways control can be interpreted or misinterpreted. And right. I thought right. having leverage in every situation is totally the way one of the ways eights protect their autonomy. And they expand, and it's having something over or on top of, you know, like pushing the boundary on top of others. Yeah. Um, and it also is a way that eights can stay connected and involved with people in a way that looks like I don't actually give a fuck what's going on. But there's a there's a yeah. kind of a neediness for attention and a neediness to be involved in people in a certain way too. Too. Yeah, I've I've started to notice how. I, this sort of ties into the whole rejection type thing is that you have to force people to, to give a shit about you. So, which means that I have to have leverage. It could be 
with attraction or um I, you can't just be into me for me like that i have to have some kind of mm. position positional advantage or some reason why you have to cross my path and i feel like on some level every a is unconsciously looking to have some positional leverage where okay if i can just stake this then i can get my needs met and it's not like i'm controlling other people but it's like you know all roads have to come through me kind of a thing yeah. if i can get this angle on this situation you have to deal with me um it's all yeah it's like a, kind of like an autonomy thing totally. it's like if you don't have that then what do you have what are you like what use do you have in a situation what kind of if you don't have leverage then you don't have any capacity to to move things and to impact anything in any substantial kind of way so it's like you're kind of naked if you don't have that that's like i think that's a perfect great insight about how eights work and the assumptions that are underlying their behavior of like uh, like that rejection type thing of like if i'm not doing something like how like there's no reason for you to keep relating to me Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. what about five going to eight going to five we didn't talk about that Oh, you know, I, in the past couple of years, I, I dealing with the couple of eights, I've gotten some new insights on that, uh, especially with attraction, just that I recognize some of the things that I was doing. Um, eights will push and push and push, you know, try to expand and I want what I want now. And when they don't get it, um, they'll just completely draw back, pull back, withdraw and put up a wall. And I knew I was doing that, but I didn't really get it until I experienced other eights where maybe they'd pursued me for something and maybe I was sort of waffling going back and forth and they just completely dropped it. And I felt that sort of complete removal of, you know, this is someone who was engaging, engaging, engaging. Um, but then they just completely dropped everything and sort of needed me to, to prove to them or to show them that I gave a fuck um, mm-hmm. before they would start up and re-engage again. So it made me realize that that, that was something that I was doing, it, there's, you know, multiple patterns where it's like, I'd really get hooked into some situation and I, I'd seem really determined to pursue it. And all of a sudden it's just like the, the, the ground drops out and like, I don't even, not that I don't give a fuck, but I just completely feel detached and removed from the situation. And I completely pull back and I'm like, fuck it, fuck it, you know? And then maybe they come back again and then I can get, you know, feel like I matter. <laughs> they give a shit. Um, but that's that's something that I didn't really get until I started to see other eights respond to me in the same way. And I was like, this I felt it. I felt them really pulling back and completely detaching from the situation. I had to I had to step forward to let them know that they still mattered to me before they would re-engage me again. And then what about in terms of like overthinking or you know, that kind of retracted space, like and and mentally, like what's going uh, on there? So part of, I mean, for me, whenever I get into that, when I completely pull back, it tends to be trying to, going back to the leverage things, how do I make sure this doesn't happen to me again? <laughs> it's just like, how do, I, how do I come up with, you know, like thinking of the situation? Because part of what happens with the eight personalities, you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just doing things. And I, I spend a lot of time processing the things that I've done. I have to go back and reread chats because when the chat is happening i'm not really paying that much attention to what's happening i'm basically just doing my thing and i have to go back and sort of process what i've done what i said 
to try to understand, you know, what did you do wrong? So it's kind of like, um, you know, the aid is kind of an impulsive, you're going with things and you just, you know, grabbing things in a moment, but you, there's not a lot of thinking involved. I mean, there's a little bit of thinking, but there's not real deep thought. And so when you experience a sort of a loss or some kind of setback where you need to pull back and figure out what the hell's going on, that's where I sort of do a review, like, okay, you know, what happened? Um, what was I thinking? And, and um, every time I go through something, I, I just kind of have to go back and actually review what I did because I'm not, I didn't really, I wasn't really, wasn't really thinking through my actions. And so that's part of the part where I can kind of uh, take count of what my actions were and to, to figure out how to move forward. Um, it's, like, it's like reverse strategizing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's sort of like a compensation for going on impulse. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I have to. I have to. Up after all the impulse has been exactly <laughs> wreaking havoc. Um, I, you know, because in the moment you just you have like a uh, physical intuition, uh, like an action-oriented intuition of what needs to happen, but um, it doesn't mean that you're getting things right. You're just kind of making moves, but you get better at it. Like if I face the same situation again, what I learned or figured out during that sort of going to five pullback phase is just going to make me better you know, in that same situation, I'm going to learn from my mistakes. And when, when I'm going off my impulses, they're just going to be, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to make the same mistakes again. That's basically what's going on. But it, it sounds like getting hyper strategic in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like certain situations where people are like, man, how did you, how did you figure out how to do that? It's like, I, the first time I, or the first or second or third time that I did that, I wasn't any good at it. It's just, I, I sat down and, and thought about the shit that I fucked up at and, and I didn't make the same mistakes again. And so you, you kind of get better at that sort of impulsive thing because of re, re repetitions and being able to review how you fucked up and coming up with better strategies and then go back and do it again. And that kind of thing. What about uh five or eight going to healthy five? Oh, I thought that was a healthy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I guess that the healthy that to me is the healthy. I don't know if it is, but the unhealthy is just sort of like the cat, like this sort of, uh, you know, that that presidential time, whatever bullshit, where you just sort of that 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 you just kind of like have executive time, executive time. <laughs> yeah, that's for now on. Eight's going to going to five executive time. That's yeah, funny. just you just having to completely retreat and block off the world and completely cut off uh it's just yeah that's the unhealthy five is completely blocked off from everyone and everything yeah but i mean like the healthy five though it's like what does that bring eight you know it's like not just reviewing or whatever but i but i think it it brings a kind of um the the need to push and the need for contact that two and eight represent and expand and expand it's like it turns it into this sort of sense of emptiness and not needing to push anywhere you know it's like it's kind of like a big vastness that like from that point of view pushing doesn't make sense yeah i guess the healthy part of the five is is i i, I sort of thought maybe this was nine but it's i get it's more of i realize it's more five where wanting to make stuff happen and pushing and pushing realizing that pushing is actually making things worse and that pulling back and being able to surrender to what might unfold is more of an eight. Like 
and eight willing to allow things to unfold mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. i was talking to my sister today i was hanging out with her and she realized that you know one of the things that she picked up from realizing she was an eight that she's an eight six two and so she has this compulsion to tell people what they're doing wrong like she believes that by doing that she's helping people she's doing it in such a forceful way that people don't necessarily receive it that way and so she realizes that and she's she's said that she's learned that she has to be willing to let people mess up that stepping back yeah and not Mm -hmm. needing to always insert herself insert herself or insert her opinions or insert her advice into what's going on um that she has to be willing to let people fall um, and so that's the, the, I would say the healthy aspect of five is being able, not necessarily feeling that like you have to be the center of actions and activity, yeah. but, um, removing yourself from a situation and letting the situation unfold and trusting that you don't have to always be leveraging and making things happen. That kind of thing. Um, so you want to talk about five? Yeah, let's do that. Anyway. So with five, all right. So you got eight and seven, both are expansive types and so you go from this place of retraction and you know avarice doesn't mean like i like to learn and i don't like to be around people it's just the sense of like you know you could say inner poverty that's where the avarishness avariceness comes from that it's feeling like i'm an easily depleted thing that things are going to take from and there's a greed of self and i i think people sometimes simplify it to be like they don't share their feelings and I don't know. I, I think that's too simplistic. Uh, but anyway, too many but, types do that. Also, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's definitely this sense of like this very unconscious yet very present sense of being an insignificant insect from an alien planet that's going to be squashed, and like that that hasn't even taken hold on this material realm. Uh, so then you go to eight, and seven both eight seven high sides like there's action and there is expansion and then there is coming out of that little retracted spider cave and seven is hope or you know Mm -hmm. positive possibilities and pleasure yeah and sensual sensual pleasure especially and uh joy and uh you know that should be a good clue to any confused nines who think they're fives is, is how joy and <laughs> and pleasure just feels so remote from the five space <laughs> yeah yeah um and and you know an eight especially it's you're getting into your body so would pulling from the integration of eight would that be kind of having more energy and being mm-hmm. more in your body with that energy and i, I think it starts from uh, it's not like you're like, suddenly my energy levels have increased, <laughs> but going from this sense of I'm a pathetic little thing, or I'm like, like, I have to be really, like really precious about what attention I give what, and I, you know, looking outside of my, my window too long will overwhelm me. It's like, uh, <laughs> just being like, you know, I can handle this, right. I can do this and I can figure it out as I go rather than needing to kind of like conceptualize before I move. Mm-hmm. Similar to six going to nine, that's a head type going to the gut, mm-hmm. and the automatic sort of motionness or the nonverbal just go, right. And um, there's also a thing about uh, viscerality and you know that kind of contact that we were talking about with 
eight and two, it's like the five starts to make that kind of contact mm. from a physical, visceral, non-conceptual level. Mm. So they're like actually living their real life rather than their theoretical theoretical life. The unhealthy direction to seven, John, what would you say about that? So like uh, my friend Nick Podgurski um, was describing uh, what it's like to be a five in the movement to seven in a way that I thought was very visceral and I understood really, really clearly was, you know, this sense of the five has this penetrating focus. And part of the discovery that fives are sort of seeking comes with this sense of possibility, right? And and I think that um, part of what, like, if you're t- looking at what five represents from a place of presence, it's that attentiveness to the unfolding moment and like seeing it anew and new and new in this moment, in this moment, in this moment. And so you can see the sense of possibility of seven there, but it becomes overwhelmed with possibilities because I'm so ungrounded. And so like uh, he, Nick described his attention being like a hundred different needles, kind of like you, you could, or like vectors of attention that you're like, you could like see sort of like reality going in these different directions and you can put yourself in there and just get sucked in woo, and then you kind of go over here and you, it just goes uh, and it starts like vibrating <laughs> and uh being around fives uh like i feel that viscerally like i get i get more exhausted by a five at seven than i probably get of of maybe any other type because it's so uh, and yeah they get uh, they, it's taught that it's really tightly strong exactly yeah it's not just like like loose partying it's like high strung but kind of bouncing everywhere and hitting you in the face (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah like acting out and sort of like uh you just feel that they're they're like hiding from terror you know and overwhelmed by just putting Mm -hmm. more on their plate so to speak Hmm. and then um one of the things about five going to unhealthy eight that I think is not well understood is it's not just that uh, fives can start being like bossy and dickheads, you know, it's like the avarice is a kind of form of control. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so if you're, uh, you know, like just a normal, like not even moving to eight, five, uh, if you talk about something that is not interesting to the five, either they'll Mm -hmm. talk over you and change the subject something they're interested in, or they just withdraw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a form of control. Yeah. And it's not normally seen as control. And so that feature gets, that's part of the eightishness already in the five. But then when they go to eight, it becomes much more overt and making people feel stupid, shaming people, being arrogant, being kind of like, like one one of the things you'll see with some fives is they they think they're the king big dick when they're like, (laughs) you know, talking about something nobody else cares about, but they're really right. (laughs) (laughs) got it (laughs) cool bro (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and they'll they'll like literally be like i just i just dropped this in there and just like shook everybody and everybody else is like okay but they're like imagining like this fucking dominated them (laughs) there was a fair amount on the old uh the old riso hudson board where we met there were a fair number of fives that were really aggressive you know with their theoretical shit and they were they were almost like thugs right which yeah. is which is eight eight energy right yeah. <laughs> chat room thugs yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. little mice in person 
I showed you my theory. Please respond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, show me yours and I'll make you feel dumb for it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't met very many fives in person. I, I am uh, interested to see how that energy shows up. Yeah, I feel like there just aren't many fives. There aren't. Well, aren't many fives out in the wild. Yeah. But any anything else to add about five before we call it quit? Yeah, I mean, we covered what we've been doing on each one. Did yeah. we? Healthy, unhealthy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, All right, guys. Cool. Okay. All right. Dead. Good stuff. Sweet, okay. Sweet dreams, Nate. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.